This is a Bulldog Radio podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the MVSP Podcast. It's myself, Joe Nagy, along with my wonderful co-host, Brandon Worth. It's been a little bit of a break since we've had, uh, since last time we've been on. Brandon, you took a solo job at it last time, kind of giving a little bit of an update over the Christmas break. But we're back, getting ready for the new year, getting ready for a new slate of football coming up, PNC Father Championship uh, recap, and possibly a little bit of NBA if it comes to it, unless we run a little bit along. But Brandon, how was your Christmas? It's good to see you again. It's good to see you, Joe. I missed you last week, but it, it's been good. It, it's been it's been pretty good um, over here in the Worth household. I had a great Christmas. Um, had a little bit of family over. Of course, social distancing, of course, but it, of course, it was a course. good time. Um, yeah. How was yours, Joe? Pretty good. Got presents. Got to hang out with family. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, just what Christmas is all about. But, you know, Brian, I think getting into it first, we're going to hop right into the PNC Father-Son Challenge. Pretty good one. Uh, I didn't get to watch a whole lot of it, but it was pretty exciting. We're a little bit late to cover it, but nonetheless, uh, when you see two uh, two legends like Tiger and Charlie Woods play, along with other guys like Justin Thomas and his dad, John Daly and little John Daly playing, it's so good to see that. Brandon, what was your favorite parts of it? Yeah, I think the tournament is just... It's just fun. I I, have, I love seeing this type of stuff. The the different types of golf you see. Not necessarily you. Can, it's still competitive, but it's a lot more about the the chemistry and the connection with your family and having fun with each other. Because in reality, I mean, there's only there's only twenty teams in this in this event. We're they're not two hundred professional golfers in a four round tournament. This is just a fun two round father son tournament, and it's just fun to watch. It's something a little different. I think that's what everybody enjoyed to see. But I mean, the Thomas duo definitely took care of business. A little close there, but ended up taking the win. But yeah. I think the ultimate. Yeah, Vinjay seeing his son kind of went crazy. Yeah, they he they were fantastic. I mean, it came down to a one one stroke over the two rounds. Just. It was it was really interesting to see how that came down, but I think the real stars of the show was, of course, Charlie and Tiger Woods. Both of them had a pretty solid, pretty solid tournament. I mean, Charlie pretty much stole the show with his imitations of his dad, basically playing the exact same way. And uh, I can't remember which hole he had, but he set him up for an eagle. That I think that was yeah, pretty that, sweet. That snap hook that he had to put on to. Uh feet in the rough and then he basically was blind to the hole and then he put a snap hook on it and then basically not even what was it six feet to the hole off of a par five not even absolutely insane you can i there's no doubt that he's going to be on tour one day but you know some other teams that were on it i mean uh team kuchar like we said team uh team vinjay singh and his son uh came out to play trevino came out to play a little bit disappointing for uh, Little John and John Daly. I was expecting a little bit more from them as I think they're the reigning champion. They've been like championships, I think, many times, or they've been always in the run of it. They didn't play super great, but, I mean, they st- it's still so fun to see, especially John Daly out there. He's one of my favorite golfers, you know, grip it and ripper and all that. Always had that mentality, but it was still super great to see. Um, like we said, Team Thomas comes out with a W. Very awesome to see uh, just kind of, 
All these father and sons get out there, have great chemistry, uh, even with just the other teams out on the course. And just to see them play with each other, super awesome to see. Uh, you always love it. But uh, to hop into our next topic, Brandon, I think we're going to hop into NCAA football now. Uh, as we know, New Year's is coming up, so you know that the New Year's bowl games are going to be happening. Uh, as well as just kind of the new the new seasons that or the season that might be uh, ending soon, but we're going to see some good football nonetheless. Uh, Brandon, New Year's six, obviously, like we said, are coming up. So, what games have got your eye? Yeah, New Year's six is going to be a little exciting. And I know on on the last episode, um, if you guys haven't checked that out yet, check it out wherever you found this podcast on Apple or Spotify or wherever else you get your podcast. But I know I talked a lot about. Um, how the rankings end up shaking up and that we're going to see Oklahoma as number six and how that can be portrayed as very interesting across a wide variety of opinions that some people say they should be there. And obviously some obviously should not, but I mean, them playing against Florida to me in the cotton bowl is going to be pretty much a, it's going to be a rating machine as far as the TV stations go. I think this one is on um, ESPN. The, well, you, this this really can't get any better as far as great viewership. The ratings are going to explode. The offenses theoretically should go for 50 points each. I mean, Kyle Trask and Spencer Rattler are going to pretty much outgun each other because both of these teams have very good offenses. The defenses have been a little shaky, and that's the reason they're outside of the college football playoff right now. But watching these two teams go, I mean, this is going to be this is going to be a fun one to watch that I I think is going to result in a huge offensive shootout. Obviously, I could be wrong, but, I mean, the offensive weapons for Florida, like Kadarius Toney and um, Kyle Pitts, will not be in this game as he's going to go to the NFL draft. Uh, but, I mean, if you're Oklahoma, you got a lot of haters out there. So how you're going to respond to this game is going to show how you much you deserve to be the number six team in the nation, according to the college football playoff. I mean, like, I mean, we were – haters on Spencer Rattler before in the year. if you remember our, our title Spencer Rattler kind of sucks that was a pretty good episode if you want to go back to that you know always be plugging but um Oklahoma's actually surprised me a little bit their defense has gotten exponentially better since last year and the past couple years and you know I was a little bit I wouldn't say skeptical I was just more excited to see what Spencer Rattler was going to do at the start of the year and he's been kind of settling down at the start like we said he had a little bit of he had, a, he had a rough start. He had a lot of picks in the games, but now that he's kind of settled down, I feel like he's actually started to trust this offense a little bit more and just, like, the chemistry starting to gel a little bit. But the one thing about it is, is like I said, their defense is just way better than the past couple years. The one-quarterback system has been working for them. Their defense, although not where it needs to be, is better uh, nonetheless. But we're going to see what happens. It's Like you said, it's going to be a shootout. It's going to be... Very high. No matter how good a defense these two teams play, it's a hot, two Heisman. Kyle Trask, who's a Heisman hopeful, coming out playing, trying to just make a statement game, so that way his name just gets tossed even farther in the ring for the Heisman Trophy. And then Spencer Rattler, who's just kind of fighting for pride, fighting for that bowl game right now. And Oklahoma, I gotta give it to them. They've been playing a lot better. It's gonna be a good game. I'm not sure who I want to pick, but we're gonna see what happens. Very much looking forward to the 30th. Yeah, I mean, when you think about these two teams, they really, there's, they're really fighting for pride at this point. Florida was a top, top team. They were doing so well. And then near the end of the year, the wheels fell off the wagon against LSU and then couldn't climb their way back against the, the best team in college football in Alabama. Uh, but I mean, so they're kind of at their low point right now. How they bounce back in this game is going to be a true testament to their strengths of this season and how well that they have played and that they can prove that they are 
one of the best teams in the nation and were a college football playoff team for part of the season is Oklahoma really vice versa. And I know that I've put my opinions in on how they should be. They might, whatever perspective you have, Oklahoma is still a good team. Are they the number six team? I don't know. Probably but in reality, yeah. yeah, they deserve to be top 10. That's, that's not the discussion here. Um, but I mean, when you look at how well they've played, what's been so good over the last couple of weeks has been their, there's been their defense. I mean, they held an, a pretty good Oklahoma State team to 13 points. I mean, they have injuries. I get it. And then, but last week they they held Iowa State pretty much in single digits for most part of the game. Now the second half is where they kind of fell apart. So that's going to be a little bit of something to watch. Whereas Florida, they've been consistently scoring all year long. So that's going to be a fun thing to see is see of how Florida's offense can explode like they really they they really had a good game against Alabama their their defense just could not stop Mac Jones and Najee Harris so the fact is they're still a great offensive team I mean they put up 46 on the Crimson Tide for crying out 46 points that's impressive impressive like that's almost unheard of honestly because Nick Saban that defense for Alabama that's incredible honestly yeah, it's gonna be fun. I'm really looking forward to this game. But there, there. I mean, there's some, there's some other great bowl games we got coming up. I mean, obviously, the college football playoff ones are going to be, they're gonna, they're gonna be fun. Alabama and Notre Dame. If I was a Notre Dame fan, I'm a little nervous because I don't know. Not if sure that's if they're gonna, gonna be, be able to. Not sure if they're gonna be able to hold it down. To be, especially yeah, since they lose to Clemson, especially with the loss to Clemson, kind of. Got got a lot of their fans shaking a little bit going off against the number one Crimson Crimson Tide um, on the New Year's Day. So I I don't think uh, Notre Dame has what it takes. The whole year, I honestly did not think that they had what it took to be a top four team. I still don't think that they're a top four team. It's just that they've kind of got the luck of the draw with how many games they played and just kind of playing in not the greatest conference and then just be getting kind of like that stroke of luck of having Trevor Lawrence out and then – uh, that may, being able to get that close win in overtime with backup, um, with a backup quarterback, and then you know losing to Clemson again, I think that kind of solidifies that their 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 existence is going to be kind of over soon in the top four over the past over the next couple of years. But we're going to see what happens. I think Alabama is going to take this one pretty handily, but you know I always got to remember not to count Notre Dame out as you know Fighting Irish football they never give. Yeah, I mean, you look you look at the line coming into this game, and not not necessarily like from a gambling perspective, but just looking at theoretically, Alabama's favored by twenty points in this game, and if that doesn't tell you the story, I don't know what does. Alabama is by far the better football team of the two, and really, it's not been compare. It's been a little comparable, really, until last week when Notre Dame really got tore up by Trevor Lawrence and company. And I mean, Alabama against Florida. I mean, you. Florida was too good of an offense to hold to 10, 15, 20 points. They're too good for that. Trial Trask has been too good for that. Tony Pitts, those guys have been too good to be held by Alabama to under 20 points. It was going to happen. So to me right now, all the chips are being put on Alabama, and Notre Dame knows this, and they know what they did earlier in the college football playoff the first time they end up playing. And all the fans know about that experience, and I know they don't want to experience that again. So Brian Kelly – his crew, they're going to be ready to play Alabama. It's just, is their team going to be ready to play Alabama? I think that's going to be the real question because it's going to be a tough task nonetheless. 
Yeah, definitely. And the other uh, college football playoff game, All-State Sugar Bowl, Clemson versus Ohio State rematch of last year. Um, definitely going to have Justin Fields, obviously wanted some redemption if you remember the last play last play of the ohio state's drive i think they were at the 20 or something like that and then uh justin fields throws a pick in the end zone a little bit of miscommunication definitely know that that's going to be a revenge game for them clemson just want to make a statement get in get out get to the national championship see what happens but very excited ohio state uh justin fields hasn't been playing as well as last year and he's not he's in the heisman running uh, nonetheless, but just his abilities haven't been as efficient, I'd say, as last year. Um, he's been throwing a little bit more picks. He hasn't been as reliable of a thrower so far this year. So we're going to see what happens. But you definitely know Ohio State football is there to make a statement, get in, you know, really make a name for themselves after last year's showing and kind of make a name for themselves, especially since so many people are thinking they don't deserve to be there being just 6-0. But we're going to see what happens. I'm, I'm rooting for them, being as a, from a Big Ten school, as much as it hurts me to say. But we're oh. – it's going it's to make <laughs> – hey, you can't blame me. I'm a Big Ten fan. But Clemson – Oh, no, uh, that's fine. Just, just how well Trevor Lawrence came off the break of – since when he had corona – or since he had to take that quarantine break for coronavirus, I think that's kind of when he really started to show up and show out. And I don't think he's going to slow down at all, so – Clemson's probably going to be able to take this one. It's going to be close. I, I bet it's probably going to be just like last year. It's going to be a shootout. It's going to be high scoring. But first team to make a, a brutal mistake is going to be the one to lose. Yeah, and I I mean, it's going to be interesting because this Ohio State team has been not necessarily as dominant as years past. I think that's a pretty accurate statement, Joe, because, I mean – you look at the scorecard. Yeah, they're still they're still beating the tar out of some of these teams. I mean, they cleaned Michigan oh, yeah, State's they clock. They crushed. Probably would have probably would have cleaned destroyed. Michigan's. Yeah, I'm gonna refuse to believe that <laughs> just as a Michigan fan's perspective. But it, it is what it is. We, we were fa- we would have been favored. Um, I I mean Ohio State would have been favored by how many points if we would have played? But the reality of the fact, this is still gonna be an interesting game because. Clemson, they feel as if they're the number one team. And it's kind of weird to think that, but they feel themselves as a number one team. They feel they're calling their shots. And the reason why is they got the best quarterback in football, arguably, in Trevor Lawrence. Now, obviously, statistics would show you that Mac Jones and Kyle Trask should be at the top of the list. But, I mean, when you think about it, there's only been one game that Clemson's lost this year, and it was to a top – Five Notre Dame team without Trevor Lawrence, and even yeah, then like it was see, I like almost to see down to the Mac wire. Jones, I like to see Mac Jones and Kyle Trask have what is it, a 30, 30 and one or thirty and two record or something. They've only lost every game that they start in, they win or something like that. It's like or it's. I feel like Trevor Lawrence, even though his statistics, like you said, may not be in the same caliber. Just how many times are you? If I prompt you with a question, who's who are you gonna take as a as a recruit, Trevor Lawrence or Mac Jones, people are going to take Trevor Lawrence, no no question. Yeah, and I, I would totally agree with that. I would take Trevor Lawrence too. And I think if you're I think if you're the Jaguars, who now have officially locked up the number one spot in the NFL draft, they're certainly looking at Trevor Lawrence's number because he looks like a generational quarterback that can win you football games no matter what level. We've really seen it with he, – he honestly could have been a number one pick last year over Joe Burrow if he would have left, but – that's just because he has a, a little bit more of a lore as far as how his his framework, his pro style um, abilities 
like compared to Joe Burrow are a little bit different. I think that's a lot more alluring. But I mean, regardless, he's going to be the number one quarterback off this board. And there's a reason because it because he wins and he can sling the football. And this is going to be a really fun game because I think Justin Justin Fields really kind of feels underappreciated as far as in college football. He he's him and his team have did everything they could with the circumstances. I mean, they had three games canceled this year. That's not their fault. I mean, Maryland canceled when they got their outbreak, Illinois, and then obviously that other team um, from Ann Arbor had to do the same. But, I mean, they they did everything they had to do. And they're not, like, having coaches like Brian Kelly and Dabo Sweeney kind of throw jabs at them for, hey, like, we've, we've played 12 great football games. They've only played six. How are they still in consideration? And the reason is, is they're a really good football team. And it's kind of hard to think that. And it's it stinks if you're a Texas A&M fan because that team that team really deserves to be in the playoff. And that's why the playoff should be expanded, in my opinion, which you have to check out that episode, too. It's like plug central today, isn't it, Joe? Always be plugging. That's what I say. Always be plugging. But, you know, always. if you want to hear us kind of spiel about how teams are getting snubbed, just kind of go to that episode. Speaking of teams that are getting snubbed, uh, Number eight, Cincinnati should be higher in my opinion. They're playing the Chick-fil-A Peach Bowl against Georgia at Mercedes-Benz Stadium on January 1 as well. That one's going to be a good game. Um, I'm looking forward to see if Cincinnati can prove themselves here. This is going to be a spot where they can show that they deserve to be a force to be reckoned with and a force to basically say like, hey, we're we're going to be the next team in Ohio that's going to make it big. Ohio State's not just going to not just going to reign uh, Ohio anymore. And I'm very excited to see how this plays out. I'm hoping that Cincinnati can pull out the W because if Georgia if Georgia just comes out to play, gives them a hard, hard-fought game, it's going to be so entertaining and I can't wait to watch. Yeah, I'm really looking forward to this game. And I because th- I think both of these teams, I mean – to me, what's kind of frustrating is that Oklahoma is getting all the attention for the way they've been playing, but Georgia hasn't been getting the same respect. And I feel like that's kind of wrong in a sense because you look at Georgia and you look at Oklahoma, it's pretty darn similar as far as how they have started the year kind of iffy, lost to at least one good team. And by the way, Georgia's two losses, Alabama, Florida, two top seven teams. And... Oklahoma lost to Kansas State, who is not 500 this year. So I'm not saying that Georgia should be ranked higher or anything. I'm just saying if that's what the committee is looking at, then why didn't Georgia go up as high as Oklahoma did? That, to me, is what kind of is question mark, which I think that's a reason why everyone's kind of confused on really what is it that gets you into the college football playoff. And that's going to be a question that they're going to have to truly define over this time because it's going to be more confusing, especially if they don't expand the playoff, which is going to make even more questions, especially this year with Texas A&M, who should really skill-wise, resume-wise, should be in the college football playoff. They just frankly ran out of spots. So, But, I mean, this game, Cincinnati, this is this is a home run game for you. This, this really is the next best thing to the playoff. You're taking on a top 10 team that's really improved over the last couple of weeks. They found their quarterback in JT Daniels, and they've been playing good football. And this is going to be a fun matchup because Cincinnati really is going to be underranked in this game. Georgia's going to be Georgia has a seventy percent chance to win this game, according to the matchup predictor on ESPN. Seventy percent chance. Cincinnati shouldn't have a chance. Theoretically, you look at you can just look at the names of this alone. Take the records out of it. Who are you going to put your money on in this game in a 
in a football bowl game, you're going to be looking at Georgia. So if you're Cincinnati, there is nothing to lose. Undefeated record, so what? If you lose to a good Georgia team, so what? Yeah, you leave it gonna, on. Nobody's going to knock yeah. you. I mean, you'll have hate. You'll have haters no matter what, but you just got to block that out. I mean, there'll be people saying like, oh, like this proves that they shouldn't be ranked higher because they can't beat good teams. It's like, I mean, Georgia's no slouch. I mean, any team in the top 10 could beat each other. And I mean, give it a coin flip and we'll see what happens. But Cincinnati, they're coming in with a lot more than just having to face Georgia. They're going to have to face, like I said, they're going to have to face haters. They're going to have to face doubters. They're going to have to face a whole lot of noise distracting them from the one goal that they have and that's winning this game ending the season on a w getting that perfect being being that perfect team and being basically the working man's ucf or being no that was coast carolina but being kind of a ucf where they always have to prove themselves because they're a good team but they have to make it so that you know they got to work extra hard to be able to get that recognition i think that's one thing that they have to focus on is just really getting ready to push through those barriers and getting really ready to face on georgia head-on yeah, and I mean, like the point I was really trying to make is Cincinnati. This is this is this is your golden ticket right here. This is what you have to prove that you should be in the conversation for the playoff because you have all these people saying, "Oh, they're nine and zero because they ran through a, a easy schedule." I mean, they still beat good teams, so now it's your time to prove it. I mean, if you if you fall to a good Georgia team, no one there's not going to be obviously there's going to be people that say you shouldn't have made the college football playoff. You shouldn't have. You shouldn't have even been considered. You're from a small conference. You shouldn't have a chance. But if you win, now look how the tides turn. Now look how everything's going to change. Like, oh wait a minute, this small school team that went undefeated that got neglected by the football playoff committee just beat a top three SEC team. Now you have a little bit of a different or top four, yeah. top four. Yeah. But still, I mean, now look where the or the the tides have turned. Look at now how everything might change. So if you're Cincinnati, this is this is prime time, yeah. baby. If you're gonna make a name for yourself, now's the time to do like, it. It's, I mean, when you think about those teams that are you know in lesser conferences that get that have undefeated Western Michigan a couple of years ago, they go to play Wisconsin. I think they get beat by a touchdown or two, and you know they can't live up to the hype. UCF every time that they are faced with a with a big name school or when they're faced with an actual challenge. Sometimes they shy away from the from really phasing it head on. So we're gonna see because right now, like you said, they have a golden ticket opportunity. Pound it home, get the W. Prove to people that next year you need some respect on the Cincinnati Bearcats because they're coming to play and they're coming to basically take the national championship or just be in the playoff and just finally get the recognition they deserve. So I mean, we'll see what happens, but I, I'm really hoping that. Cincinnati can really pull out the W because if they can, it's going to prove it's going to really shut a lot of people up and it's going to make me a very happy man. Yeah, it's certainly it's certainly going to be it's going to be an exciting one. I think a lot of these bowls were put together really well. I think the bowl committee did a great job of matching these yeah. two teams up. I mean, it's it looks like there's great matchups all over the board. Like Oklahoma State, Miami is one we're probably not going to touch on as much, but I mean Oklahoma State, Miami, two teams that have a ton of potential. And they're going to be able to play each other. And it's going to be really fun to see. And I mean, you got you got some other ones around. Like Iowa's going to be taking on Missouri. Missouri's 5-5. Five and five. But if you look past that, you'll see that they're a much better football team. They were ranked at one time, and there's a reason, because they played very good football. So that game can go either way. 
So it's gonna it's gonna be really exciting to see how all these matchups pan out, especially when you get other games like Texas A and I'm gonna play North Carolina. The way North Carolina took care of Miami, it looks like they could probably beat anybody with that offense. But AM, they got something different to say about it. So it's gonna be I'm I'm really looking forward to seeing these bowl matchups. Oregon, Iowa State as well. I think the committee did a great job. The bowl committee that put these together. Playoff committee. I think we're yeah, still step, up step your mark. game, step up your game, bowl committee. But but bowl committee, yeah. great job, kudos, much respect. Yes, indeed. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, Brandon, I'd say we kind of transition to the NFL now. We had a pretty packed weekend. We had a couple Christmas Day specials, and I mean, we haven't really seen NFL football on Christmas too many times. So very exciting to see, Brandon. I think to start it off, we'll review uh, the or uh, excuse me, to start it off, we'll uh, go off. Um, the Vikings and Saints that happened on Friday, pretty good game. Uh, I was pretty much expecting the outcome that happened. Saints rolled over the Vikings. I wasn't really, I never really saw an opportunity for the Vikings to come back from this one. 52 to 33, pretty, pretty solid showing from Kirk. 27 for 41, 291 and three touchdowns. So, I mean, primetime Kirk Cousins, like I always say. But Drew Brees finally coming back, 311 and. Uh, Coming in for 311 yards, and then Taysom Hill kind of picking up the slack, too. Very good to see, Brandon. But Alvin Kamara, um, on your fantasy team, Brandon, I wanted to talk. I was tempted on texting you, but uh, you mind just explaining what happened there? You have no idea how I was so I – w- I wouldn't say angry because I'm not like – yeah, Here, here's the whole background of what happened over – so we had our fantasy football league, obviously, that um, we put together in collaboration with Front Row Sports, Worthmore Studios, and Front Row Sports as well, and Bulldog Radio. We had all these guys together, all the great sports mind around that we know, and we put them all in this fantasy football league. Me and Joe were a part of it. Travis and Barrett from Mike's and Takes were a part of it. And you actually, if you guys want to see like the, the draft live on YouTube, I believe it's on Worthmore Studios. Um, you can find them on you or on YouTube, search the channel and find it somewhere. But that's our whole live draft and everything if you want to watch it. But anyway, throughout the season, it was pretty clear cut that there were two teams that were going to be in the ship. Myself with Captain Camerica because Alvin Kamara has been amazing. And also Johnny Onker, who right now is looking like he's going to be the front runner in the ship, whoever he takes on. And that's the whole reason is I lost in round one because... Uh, I'm not going to blame it on anybody in particular, but uh, I mean, the Seahawks had a kind of a crappy day and just with the whole transpiring of things, they didn't score as many as normally average should have or higher, especially with expectations. I ended up losing by five points. It happens. Fantasy football. I'm not, I'm not too upset about it. But the fact that Alvin Kamara had to score six touchdowns yesterday or on Friday for this week. If I would have just got hard. five more points, I mean, we're we're riding to the we might be riding to the Super Bowl right now, because <laughs> I would I would end up playing Johnny and Johnny's actually having a little bit of a a less expected week. He's actually a little bit lower on the scoring charts, and I would have beat him. <sighs> so yeah, I'm a little That's upset, but it's okay because it's football. So whatever. I mean, it's so still sad. been fun. So sad. I'm going to play you a song on my world's tiniest violin. So sad to see. <laughs> but, uh, but, you know, next game, uh, our Lions 
we don't have to talk too much about this one. Buccaneers rolled over we, the Lions. Can we 40, skip it? 47-7, that's all we we're going to say. It? Not the greatest showing, but the 49ers and Cardinals are a pretty good game. 20-12. to 12. <laughs> I like it. Good uh, job. It was, it was all right. Uh, obviously, no Jimmy Garoppolo and kind of 49ers are having a less than ideal season. But, you know, C.J. Bethard, 13 for 22, 182 yards, three TDs. Not half bad. It's just kind of, you know. San Francisco 49ers versus Arizona Cardinals, so not really a primetime game by any means, but still a good one nonetheless. Yeah, so I think the moral of the story is, um, for me personally, whenever I pick the 49ers, if I pick them to win or lose, it's going to turn out the opposite because that's what's happened the last four weeks. So anytime that I pick the 49ers to win, go to Vegas and put all, all the chips on whoever they're playing because I guess that's just the way it works, but no, I'm just kidding. I mean, the 49ers did great, and I'm glad we skipped over the Lions game. So this, the 49ers did great. And if you're Arizona right now, this one's tough because you got how many weapons on your team? You have Kyler, you have DeAndre Hopkins, you have Christian Kirk, and you got Kenyon Drake and Chase Edmonds. You got a great offensive squad. But when you only put up 12 points against a depleted 49ers defense, and I think that gives – a lot of credit to Robert Sala for the job he did last or this in this game because frankly, they should not have had a shot to win this game. They with the injuries they had, they shouldn't have even been close. The way Arizona could light them up defensively and um, with the holes they had, this theoretically shouldn't have been a game. But Robert Sala had his team in. They forced a lot of mistakes on the Cardinals. They they really kind of shot themselves in the foot with a couple of key drops, penalties, turnovers. I mean, Kyler didn't do that great. I mean, yeah, you look at the stat sheet and he still put up how many yards, but I mean, he really wasn't that, he wasn't really that great. It seemed like there was just a lot of times where he made bad throws, he missed targets and he even coughed up a fumble and had an interception. So, I mean, that's just brutal to really see that this offense can have a a bad night because if you're considering this a playoff team like the Arizona Cardinals we saw this is that's not gonna be a team that wins a playoff game no it, it's just they've been so spotty kind of because when when Kyler's on and when DeAndre Hopkins is on it's and when Larry Fitzgerald is on it's no question that they're gonna be able to do something that they're gonna be able to create special things on the field but I feel like it's just everything has to be perfect for it to work because if Kyler's off, then that throws off the whole receiving game. That throws off kind of the rushing game as well because Kyler is normally one of their main rushers too. And it's just a situation where it's like you, you really got to wonder what the what the playoff future looks like for this team because I don't really think that they have what it takes to go anywhere past round one if they play anything like this. But who knows? They could have like – the crazy run where they actually start playing really well and they play consistent because, you know, eight and seven is not the greatest record. And you can definitely tell why they've lost each game is because they just haven't been on. And when they're on that, like you said, Brandon, when they're on they're they're scoring left and right. They're scoring a lot of points, but that just, it just begs the question, are they going to be able to do that when it counts when it's in the playoffs? So I, I have no clue. I don't have a whole lot of faith in the Cardinals, but if they make if they make the playoffs, we're gonna see what happens. Yeah, and this is really this is kind of the crazy thing that comes down to. Even though they've had bad games this season, they're still eight and seven. 
just the natural the natural way the season progressed. They win against the Rams next week. They're in, and they're going to be in the playoff regardless um, what seed they end up being. They're going to be in there in the wild card. So in the reality, this team, like if you're a Cardinals fan, I mean, you lost, but hey, you still got another game to make the playoffs and prove to your prove to your fans this league, all the other teams that have doubted you and fans that you can still make the playoff despite having really what's been expected as a subpar season. But you got to give credit to Jeff Wilson; he was fantastic for the 49ers. He really, he really kind of I don't want to say carried them to victory because C.J. Beathard really he played well. But with Jeff Wilson running the way he did, the way that the offense just perfectly synced into place it seemed like at points where he was running the rock all over the field set up cj bethard so well the cardinals had to stack the box a couple times they paid for it and the reality is that the 49ers can't play good football and we know that because i picked against them this week yeah they just yeah brandon if you ever want to have a if you ever want to be a bet man brandon just always bet if you ever want to bet on the 49ers just bet against it but yeah, just the opposite way to make it more see what happens. But uh, next game we got up on the on the docket here: Dolphins versus Raiders, twenty six to twenty five in favor of the Dolphins. That was a pretty good game to watch. Uh, Tuatayo Vailoa did pretty well. Ryan Fitzpatrick also came in, did some work as well. Raiders almost had it. Derek Carr almost put on a show. He had uh, over three hundred thirty yards uh, in the air, but you know just falls short. Miami, though, they weren't really playing too hot to start the game, but they actually started to pick it up in the second half, which is kind of what they've been doing all year. Um, but, you know, big one for the Dolphins, 10-5, and really solidifying what they could do if they make it to the playoffs. We're going to see what happens. But very good game. Brandon, what are your thoughts? Oh, my goodness, what a game this was. And if you haven't had a chance to watch the ending of this game, Oh my goodness, go back and watch it wherever you find it. Go on YouTube, watch the final five minutes. I'm sure there's probably 100 videos of it because this game was crazy down the stretch. I was fortunate enough to see it live and it was just insane. Like it, it just seemed so crazy. I mean, Raiders were down. They end up getting a pass down the field to Nelson Aguilar on a huge catch. Carlson ends up missing the extra point. Miami goes down, and they put Fitz in at the end of this game, which everybody was like, wait a second. Why why are we not rolling with Tua anymore? And honestly, I'm okay with that coaching staff making that move. And the reason why is Tua was great in the game, but in this situation, Tua has been more of – I don't – he's it's I'm not going to say game manager, Tom Brady-like guy, but he ha, he's been running the offense – but in these type of games, you need a guy to take over. And Tua's just not there yet. And obviously experience and all those things will come with that. Where Fitz has some of that. Obviously everybody knows about Fitz magic and what it can do. It's kind of like basketball in this sense. You have your sixth man for a reason. He's a guy that can come in, create a spark, and can change the outcome of a game when you get hot. And that's exactly what Fitz did in the final six, seven minutes of this game. I mean, he threw two beautiful passes over the middle in the seams. And then he gets it to Miles Gaskin in, I believe, two minutes left. He breaks one for a TD. And now everyone's going crazy. My Dolphins are up one. And then the Raiders get down the field. They have it on the goal line, or pretty much near the goal line. Josh Jacobs elects to go to the one-yard line and slide. Take Pretty much take they take a knee. 19 seconds left to kick the field goal. You're thinking, oh, my goodness. 
the Raiders found a way. And then what in the world were they thinking? I still don't understand this. And I, I talked to so many people about it. I talked to my buddy, Brendan. I, we, I can help console him after his dreadful Raiders just had to do what they did. I don't know exactly what was going through the mind. If you have a situation where you have no timeouts left, and I'm actually watching the play on the screen right now as it popped up on the highlight tape, and I'm still just as shocked watching it this time as I did in real time. Why are you playing a cover two and giving up a 15, 20-yard throw down the sideline? Because their safeties hadn't been very adapted to the other to the sides of the field throughout this game. So why are you playing covering a cover two? Why are you calling a cover two, giving them a 20-yard throw out of bounds, when in reality you should be giving them a 5, 10-yard throw in the middle of the field? That doesn't make sense to me. Then you add on the face mask, and Fitzpatrick looks like an absolute just crazy guy because he throws a 50-yard pass that gets caught when he can't even see. Borderline greatest no-look throw of all time. Anyway, Jason Sanders hits the field goal to win it from 44 yards out. Dolphins win, and in reality, Raiders shot themselves in the foot, and that's why they missed the playoffs because they've done too much like that. They've dropped too many games they should have won. It seems like that always happens for the Raiders. They just have been not on the create. The luck has not been on their side all year, and you know that's just, just the way the. I guess just that's the way the cookie crumbles. So, but Ravens taking care of business against the Giants, twenty-seven thirteen. Pretty much what everyone thought was going to happen. Daniel Jones was Daniel Jones. Played pretty mediocre. Had a had a TD, so not too bad. Lamar Jackson, uh, still all right. Not as good as we've been used to seeing him. 183 yards, two TDs, so pretty good. But the rushing is what took care of business. Uh, three guys over uh, over 50 yards rushing. J.K. Dobbins, Lamar Jackson, and Gus Edwards did business. J.K. Dobbins with a rushing TD. Pretty good on the Ravens' side. Giants just weren't able to get it done, Brandon. Yeah, I mean, the Ravens' running attack when high is one of the best, best offenses in football. One of the hardest to stop because yeah. they just got – they really got a three-headed monster. I mean, even you take Ingram out and you put Jackson in there and you still – it's a three-headed monster. Which one are you going to try yeah. to stop? Because they all and you, they all can do so many different things. Yeah, you can even just take <laughs> Jackson out of there too and just leave it to J.K. Dobbins to Lamar and they'll still do business. They're still going to do business. I mean, this offense has been great. I mean – or well, I mean, this defense has been great. I flip around here. I'm jumping ahead of myself right now as I'm thinking about this. <laughs> yeah, but, offense has been all right. But, yeah, the offense is really – if they can get hot and run the football and do what they do, not turn the ball over, they're going to be in good hands because their defense has been great really all year. There's been a couple of games, yeah, he dropped it. Well, Browns game, yeah, whatever. But, I mean, you take on a Giants team and you go out and you dominate. I wouldn't say dominate, but you go out and win a game you should, which every team should, theoretically. And they took care of business, and that's what you need to do. And now, thanks to, I think, the next game on our list that I'm really interested to hear what you have to say, Joe. The Browns losing to the Jets. Now you got you got something for playoffs. Baltimore fans can start getting hype again. What is – what are the Jets thinking? Because, <laughs> like, okay, like you're fighting they for They want to win games. They want to win games, now? bro. That's now. Yeah. What? I guess they want to win games now. So it just took them that long to turn it around, I guess. But you know, late playoff push. They found it. Late playoff push is what I'm hearing. Chats. In the Browns, de- in the Browns' defense, 
they had about 12,465 guys out with COVID. So I will, you have to give them a little bit of slack. Come on, though. It's the Jets. The one win Jets. Just why? Who really should have zero wins. I'm just wondering from a stance of why would New York do that when they had the first pick locked up? And then they go and do this, and now Jacksonville has the first pick locked up. So, like, yeah, you got the second pick, but, like, the the, the plan was to get Trevor Lawrence for them. I don't understand what – unless they don't want to do they want to keep Sam Darnold, which, I mean, is okay. It's not the greatest idea I've ever heard, but it's also not the worst. So, but it's like, why would you do that if you had the first pick locked up? Unless you're like, – like I said, unless you're not going for Trevor Lawrence, but even so, wouldn't you want the first pick so that way you can get up whoever it is going to be that you want? But then you go and you win two games in a row. I just, I just don't understand. I don't get it. I just, yeah, it just throws it, my head in three hundred, and like it just spin my head around <laughs> because I can't understand why you would want why a Jets fan and why the Jets organization would be happy about this because you don't have the first pick anymore. You win another game, you win your last game of the season, and what are you gonna do? You're gonna basically you ha- might have three. So what are you gonna do? Just lose this one? You can't do that. You've won two. End the season out on wins. I don't understand. I don't understand the mentality of this. In the end of the at the end of the day, to me, your job as a football team is to win football games. And the Jets are doing that. Are the circumstances ideal? No, because theoretically, the best case scenario at this point, your season's been in the dumpster you might as well lose out and get the player you want for your franchise, regardless of who everybody else is going to take. Because with the number one pick, you got the cards, my friend. But obviously, the the Jets, they don't want to be the dealer. They want to be the receiver of those cards. So they, they don't, I guess they don't want. And I think this is kind of the weird thing because I do kind of appreciate teams that don't tank because, like, tanking theoretically in the sport is kind of, Kind of morally wrong. I mean, I, I it's kind of it's kind of a touchy subject. Should teams yeah, take? I, should teams that can, not? That can be that can yeah. be a debate question of the day for for later. But yeah, we'll have to save that. So you guys are gonna have to subscribe to hear that. But in the end, Baker needed to be better. He wasn't. That offensive line was pretty bad. I mean, because if you're Baker, you you're going into this game knowing you're not gonna have all of your main targets. No DPJ. No Rashad Higgins. No Jarvis Landry. You gotta find ways to get these guys, the these new guys, because <laughs> this is the funny part. They're basically their only practice squad receiver that they had they were gonna play in this game, that played in this game. Marvin Hall, who by the way, played for the Detroit Lions literally two weeks ago or three weeks ago. <laughs> so you have a whole new set of receivers. You have to, besides, obviously, you still have Austin Hooper and you still have Jocko and you still have your tight ends and running backs. I get that. But if you're Baker, you have to figure out a way to get your best receiver, your receivers the football in a way that's going to be the most effective. Because if you don't, you're not going to have a chance to win this game. Because realistically, the Jets, they didn't need to play dime or nickel at any point in this game because you're not going to be worrying about guys getting beat or. You're you're not worried about these these practice squad receivers burning you, but in reality, 
I mean, Baker just needs to play better. And when he plays better, yeah. this Browns team's different, man. It's they're different. And that's why they are in the playoff talk. So really, they got to buckle down and win this last game because, I mean, regardless of they gotta get as much who's going to win on Sunday, can. they got to win. Yeah, I mean, 28 for 53, not the grit. Yeah, and you can chalk up some of those misses probably to drop balls because, you know, the receivers just aren't as oh, there accustomed are a couple to catching yeah. And, you know, you can – you can chalk some of those up, but how many are you going to do? Ten? Maybe a handful? And even so, that means Baker just missed close to 20 passes, is what we're, or close to 15, 20 passes, is what we're talking about if you rule in uh, drops. So for him to play like that mm-hmm. is just not good. And yeah, like I said, you can give him some credit, not, ha- not being able to play with a lot of these receivers too much, and not really having his main targets on the field, but... You can't just leave it up all the time to Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt to get the job done. You got to give them some insurance too, because as soon as the Jets can maybe start working on their way to defending the run a little bit better, then what are you going to do? Because now it's up to you, Baker, to really put the team on your back and get a throwing touchdown or something like that, and you can't get it done because you can't really adapt and overcome to these new players who are on the team. But you know, got to give it to the Jets. Sam Darnold did pretty well, sixteen thirty-two. Uh, just straight up 50% average, two TDs through the air. So pretty good for him. Good to see. I mean, it's like we've said, Sam Darnold, he's not trash. He's just a garbage can. He has to carry the trash around because it's just what what has happened. But all credit to the Jets, even though I don't understand why they're winning right now because from a draft stance, I just don't understand. But, you know, I, I guess that's why I'm – I'll never pro- – I'll probably never be a – a general manager or something because I just don't understand what their plans are. Yeah, I mean, if you're Adam Gase, you're fighting for your job right now. Going 0-16 is probably the most inevitable way to get fired. So, Adam, those that coaching staff's fighting for their jobs, and you got you got to give them credit. Every The chips are down. You can just lay up, take what you get, move on. They're fighting back, and they're, they've won some games, and now it's going to be pretty interesting to see. But, I, I mean, especially with – game they got coming up next can have some interesting significance but I mean if you're the Browns if you are the Browns in this scenario you have to know how to adjust you're going to be a playoff team you can't you can't you cannot fold and flop to a team that has one win if you're a playoff team you got to know how to adjust you got to know how to change things up and be able to still win this game because now Instead of clinching the playoff, you're going to be relying on some help. So yeah, you need a lot more. You need a lot of uh, cards to fall into place more now because without that win, you're yep. going to have to bank on some teams losing, some teams who have to win to get you in. So it's it's a situation yeah. where it's not ideal, definitely. But we're going to see how they deal with it. Uh, I'm not sure. I forgot if are some of their main receivers coming back next week or are they still out? Um, that'll be determined throughout the week on how their testing goes. But, I mean, I would hope that they'd have him back. But, I mean, it, it'll be int- – it, I'm not quite sure how the, the protocols are working because it seems like every it seems like every week they're changing. But, yeah. I mean, if, the if, Brown- not, it's, if not, it's going to be tough sledding for the Browns. Yeah, especially against the Steelers. So, that's not going to be a cakewalk. Yeah, not great. But uh, next next game we got uh, our Bears from the NFC North. Uh, they were able to basically roll over the Jaguars pretty handily, forty-one to seventeen. 
I mean, not really too much to say. Mitch Trubisky actually showed up and was actually a good quarterback for once. Played pretty well. Uh, but Jaguars are just the Jaguars. They're not super great. Glennon has been all right. Uh, he's doing as best he can, I guess, with the circumstances. Uh, two TDs, two intercepts, 211 yards, a lot of twos on the stat sheet. So, I mean, there's not really too much to say about this game, Brandon. Yeah, and I'll make a statement right now. I'll make every Bears fan cringe right now at what the words I'm about to say. I have heard a report that Mitchell Trubisky is fighting for a possible extension right now. There are words that the Bears oh, are willing to extend him. And because of the success that they've had and that they're making their way towards the playoffs, they don't they don't care about the six loss games or the six straight games lost. They are eight and seven and they could make the playoffs if they could beat the Packers. So it's crazy to think that, but I mean, he, Trubisky was great. I mean, I well, do I say great? He wasn't just good. He, was he wasn't adequate. great. He was adequate. Adequate. Yeah, yeah. Not- I mean, he was twenty. He was twenty-four thirty-five. He had two sixty-five, two touchdowns. That's not bad. Um, his interception, mm, not good. If you watch that interception, it was pretty low quality. The announcer said something to say about it. I think the word used was high school level interception. That's how bad it was. But in the end, I think what's really pieced this team together is David Montgomery. He's been so great for this team. He's really provided that second piece of offense that they've needed for so long. 23 carries, 95 yards, one touchdown, 4.1 average yards per carry. His explosiveness out of the backfield, being able to pick up three, four yards, and even burst out a big play, gives the Bears so much better room to operate, not relying on Mitch Trubisky so much. And that's the reason they've been good. But, I mean, the Jaguars, no James Robinson. No way this team can really win. Mike Glennon's good. He's not that great. So, I mean, if you're the Jaguars now, kind of seems like they're actively tanking. But to a lot of um, numbers people and understanding how dynasties work, to them it was the right move to lose this game. So, in reality, I guess you could see it as a win-win because Bears are one spot away from the playoffs and the Jaguars are got the number one pick. So, I guess in this scenario, both teams won. Yeah, I mean, got I me mean, good setup for both of them. It's a win-win, like you said. Forty-one seven, forty-one seventeen. Jacksonville gets the pick. Chicago makes it even more of a chance for them to get in the playoffs. But you know, just crazy. Guess, all right, all right, game. All right, game. Mr. Bisky, uh Hopefully, you don't get a contract extension because Bears fans cannot go through <laughs> that anymore. But Chiefs, Brandon, barely squeak out the win against the Falcons. Pretty surprising game. To see seventeen to fourteen, I Matty Ice was playing all right. Three hundred yards, two touchdowns, played pretty well. Falcons actually kind of showed up to play a little bit, and Pat Mahomes didn't have the greatest day. Uh, two hundred seventy-eight yards, a little bit less than what we're accustomed to seeing him to. And an interception, I think, isn't that one of his first inter or his one of his first interceptions of the year, right? Because he hasn't really been throwing. He had, didn't really throw too many this year. Um, he's had a, he had a couple against the Dolphins, I think it was, he had a multiple, I think, against the Dolphins. There was one game he had, excuse me, he had one game he had multiple intercepts, but really, I think he's only at five or six on the year, which is still yeah, which great for Impressive, and it's, you can definitely tell that they were just a little bit shaky, because they haven't been, they were just, like I said, just not where they wanted to be, and the Falcons, they came out swinging, really took a hold of kind of their, 
blunders, I guess you could say. I mean, Kansas City just stayed with them the whole time, but Atlanta played pretty really well for how bad they've been playing so far this year. But, I mean, what do you got to say on it, Brandon? This is the craziest thing that you can say, but the Chiefs should have lost this game. I mean, you watch yeah. the game. Chiefs made too many mistakes. and I'm glad you brought up the, the interception count for – for Patrick Mahomes, because um, I I mean I'm I'm I mean I think I speak for a lot of the people watching the NFL religiously over the this last season and watching some of these guys play. I like Patrick Mahomes. Patrick Mahomes is a fantastic quarterback. He did not look very fantastic in this game, and he made a lot of bad throws. Could have had a lot of interceptions. There there was there was their offense was stagnant a lot of the time and you got to give credit to Raheem Morris and that Falcons team for stepping up and shutting down their playmakers those big plays were virtually gone in this game the Chiefs had to grind and grind and grind there's a reason the Chiefs team has the most 40 plus yard touchdowns they got playmakers last week Atlanta took that big playmaking away and made the Chiefs really grind their way in the trenches to try to win this game and that's something they're not they're not necessarily accustomed to so it's it's just crazy to think that i mean if you look if you had a team that played exactly like the falcons did just weren't the falcons you just take off the the nameplate of their jersey take out the mascot put on like the i don't know the panthers they probably the panthers would have won i mean it's just the fact that the atlanta falcons have been on a cursed season that they lose every game they should in the last few minutes they bailed the chiefs out in reality KC's 14 and 1. They should be 13 and 2, but they found ways to win when they Atlanta gave them the opportunity once and for all. Yeah. Mahomes showed up for when, the final drive and they took care of business and took that it, first seed. When it came down to it, they got the job done. So it's good to see. But yep. uh next game we got Bengals and Texans. 37-31 Bengals. Pretty surprising, especially with their uh guy Joe Burrow has been out for the past couple weeks, able to get the job done. Uh Brandon Allen, um, who is this guy? <laughs> Uh, 371, 371 yards, two TDs, 29 for 37. Well, first of all, who, he's who? a great first name. Yeah, yeah, but who is this guy? He's got a, he's got a, he's got a fantastic first name, but, um, Brandon Allen is, wow, what, what a, what a interesting he scenario the, you have you wake up the on the right side of the bed today or something? Like, everything had to go right. I get because I guess I guess he found I mean I guess he pulled a Baker Mayfield woke up dangerous or something like I mean it was crazy I mean this guy it's <laughs> I mean you've probably never heard of him he played college football Arkansas he left in 2015 was drafted by Jacksonville in the sixth round bounced around and now look where he is wearing the tiger stripes and ends up taking the win I honestly have no idea what to think of the Bengals right now because they're winning games, and but, but it's too they're late. supposed to be they're supposed to be laying up right now. They don't have Joe Mixon. They don't have Joe Burrow. What do they have to play for? Pride, baby. And that's what they're doing. They're giving yeah. it all they got. Gio, Giovanni Bernard's been great, and that offense has been clicking. I mean, not you switch quarterbacks plenty of times. We had Ryan Finley. You now have Brandon Allen. Of course, you had Joe Burrow at one point. And this offense is figuring it out. They're winning on a week-to-week basis. And if this, I think this this game right here 
says honestly more about the Texans and the Bengals, which is pretty crazy because if you're the Bengals, you should be proud of this win. And fans are like, whoa, this is huge. I mean, they come off a win against the Steelers. Now they beat the Texans. Like They're like, oh, yeah, we can beat anybody in the NFL. Hold your horses a little bit. This Texans defense has been very poor. And J.J. Watt made some comments earlier this – or earlier, I believe it was – this morning or last or no it was yesterday about he he's seeing some things on his team that look to be as not trying lack of effort and if you're the Texans that looks really bad especially the fact that you potentially could get you've got so you got Deshaun Watson who's really been the only reason that you've had chances in a lot of these games to be brutally honest because that defense has been pretty poor and injuries whatever you're still playing very poor defense and the fact is david johnson played pretty well over the last two games i i mean i'll be honest i was i was pretty much a doubter when he got traded for deandre hopkins because of his injuries and how he'd fit on this team really kind of a toss-up it was gonna be a hit or miss and there's been games frankly he's been hit or miss but if you're the texans right now and you got this kind of an offense but you can't hold it together with your defense, there has to be changes made. I don't know what that, that needs to be. Obviously, they fired Bill O'Brien earlier this year, but they need a defensive, I don't want to say a makeover, but they definitely need to get some some sort of new players, new scheme, new something, because this I'm system's fresh. not working. Something and when you're losing to Brandon Allen and the Bengals, that's a definite red flag. Something needs to change. Yeah, definitely not good to see, but a pretty surprising game for me. Uh, it's a very good game, nonetheless. Indianapolis Colts and Pittsburgh Steelers. I really thought the Colts were going to be able to take down the Steelers, especially since this is one of their first. They're kind of the Steelers are reaching kind of the meat of their schedule late, uh, especially against a good Indianapolis Colts team. But Steelers proved me wrong. Got it done. Twenty of twenty, uh, twenty twenty four. Like I said, Ben Roethlisberger just popped off thirty four forty nine, three hundred forty two yards and three TDs. Uh, was not really expecting that, but you know had to kind of cancel that out with that negative two uh <laughs> two carries for negative two yards so uh i mean what can i say other than the steelers they're i have my doubts against the steelers but if they play like this they'll they'll be pretty legit come postseason yeah and um in in my my matchup predictors i actually put the steelers down and i was i had to think a lot about before i did that but to be to be honest i just for them, the Steelers, if they were they didn't win last week, like they're not gonna they're too good of a defense to fall that many games in a row. And it was kind of a pretty much kind of a gut call on my part to pick the, the Steelers. And it was kind of like I was like, oh, I don't know if I should. I'm back and forth. But in the end, they figured out to pull out a win, clinched their playoff spot, which was big. I mean, they've been a good team. Um, obviously not as good as some people think, but still. Playoff team, probably good enough. But, I mean, the the thing that alarmed me, I mean, for the Colts, you had this game. You get off to a hot start. You're up 21-7 going to the half. Jonathan Taylor's running through everybody. He we had two touchdowns. Phillip Rivers is getting it done. Pittsburgh's offense looks just kind of stagnant. And then second half, boom, everything changes. And this Steelers team just – Figured something out, clicked the switch, started stuffing Jonathan Taylor, making Phillip Rivers throw all seemed like just everywhere. He was trying to find somebody open and forced a couple interceptions, or one interception. I believe there's also a fumble too. 
I mean, this is a great scenario if you're the Steelers. This is a game where all the chips are down. You climb your way back. You get the win. Confidence going into the into week 17, a chance to clinch a number two playoff spot. This is a good win, and if you're the Colts, this is unfortunate. This is the way it has to come down because now you're going to have to rely on some some mm-hmm. heavy hopes coming into week 17, including they're going to they're going to need a little bit. They're going to they're going to have to get a Ravens, Dolphins, or Browns loss. And realistically, those guys those teams have some favorable matchups. Yeah, most definitely, it's definitely going to be surprising, nonetheless. <laughs> Nonetheless, to see where the those teams end up, but next couple of games, Panthers uh beat Washington twenty to thirteen. That was a pretty good one to watch. Uh, very fun to see. Uh, then the next game, Chargers able to go over the Broncos nineteen to sixteen. Finally able to see our boy Justin Herbert get the win here. Uh, you know, just just good to see the young guy finally have the cards lay cards fall where he needs them to go. Um, you know, 21-33, one touchdown. Pretty solid show out. Uh, wasn't too wasn't too worried that they weren't going to get the win here. Yeah, and um, real quick about Washington, Dwayne Haskins is officially gone. He was released this morning. Um, I think that's I think that's a good thing. Um, oh yeah, most definitely. He's, he's not been great. He's been a little bit. He's been questionable off the field. To me, that's not the guy that should lead the Washington football team in this rebuild. I don't think that he's the guy to do it. So, any on to that point, uh, Chargers Broncos really heavily defensive game by what it what it sounded like. I didn't watch this game, but looking back at some of the highlights, some of the the analysis, the recaps, it was really interesting to see that like both of these teams were just grinding and grinding this game out and just a complete defensive overhaul. It seemed like not a very fan friendly game if you're watching that game for the first time. It's better, I promise you that. But good win for Justin Herbert, good win for young football team. Um, definitely something that the, the Eagles wanted to see. Yeah, you. we kind of wish that. But Cowboys just kind of uh, manhandled the Eagles, to say the least, 37-17. to Not the greatest showing um, from the from the boys in Philadelphia. Jalen Hurts did all right. Um, two interceptions, so you can – it's kind of – it's kind of expected, especially since he's still trying to get comfortable with this offense, comfortable with his team. He's had a couple good showings so far, but as I said, rookie quarterbacks, they always have kind of a tough time getting settled. But Andy Dalton did really well, 377, three touchdowns. Uh, you know, Red Rocket is just slinging it. That's all I can say. And Ezekiel Elliott actually kind of showed out a little bit, 19 carries, 105 yards. Really did some really did some damage there, so that's good to see. But Michael Gallup, two TDs on six receptions. That's also good to see. So, Cowboys, they just kind of commanded the game the whole way through. Other than the first quarter, they kind of brought it back and just commanded the whole way through. So, uh, you know, I mean, big ups to the Cowboys. Don't think that they're going to be able to do anything. Uh, or Actually, what's the what's the NFC East looking like, Brandon? I haven't checked yet. The NFC East is very interesting. And uh, first of all, Jalen Hurts is human, guys. He's not some perfect football player. So, don't. This this loss, it's okay. It's okay. Now they can really focus on what they're going to be doing over the future. Don't calm down, guys. Don't call out J- Jalen Hurts for just word. playing a football game. Come on, goodness. But anyway, this is how it could shape up. This is really interesting. Because realistically, you'd think there'd be more out of this. But this is really all there has to be. So Washington holds the cards. They beat the Eagles. They're in. Which, if Jalen Hurts can play like last two games, Jalen going to be a tough task but so if they win they're in but if they lose the winner 
of the Giants Cowboys is going to be representing the NFC East in the playoffs. So really interesting wow. to see with that game. So really it's it's big time. There really isn't that much needed for any of these teams to make the playoffs. So it's it's the real deal. It's fun. really it's crunch time. It's it's really what you like to see in NFL football just kind of coming down to the wire. It sucks that it's the NFC East and how uh lackluster this conference is or this uh this division is. But nonetheless, you'd love to see some good hard-nosed football coming down to the wire. Um, you know, I you just love to see it. But uh, next game we got Rams and Seahawks. Uh, kind of a defensive showdown. Rams fall to uh to Russell Westbrook. I always say Russell Westbrook. I don't understand. <laughs> Russell Wilson. Sorry, right, brother. Nine. Uh, you know, I want. I got a couple of glimpses at this game. Jared Goff played okay. Not the greatest. He was kind of. Didn't play where he usually is, but Russell Wilson, 20 for 32, 225, and a TD. And then they got it done on the rushing side as well. Russell Wilson uh, with another TD as well. So he's kind of hitting all over the stat sheet, and they were just really just commanding the game almost the whole way through, uh, you know, other than, other than just trailing by a field goal at one point. But other than that, they just had it had everything going for him. Yeah, and I, I know you're a bigger Jared Goff fan than I am, and I, I mean, I'll, I'll my, be the he's just not, he's, just not, he's just not my fantasy team. I'm not a huge fan. He's just not my fantasy team. Yeah, yeah. I, I, yeah, I, I mean, it, I don't know necessarily if you're a, a Rams fan watching this game and watching the game against the Jets, where this offense is, this is a big question mark, guys. I don't know what... I mean, yeah, I obviously Cam Akers was out for this game as he was injured. But, I mean, Daryl Henderson kind of handled the load, had some big explosive runs. But Jared Goff's decision-making wasn't great. He made a lot of bad throws. And, I mean, you cue it up to that lob over the field. Too, way too easy of an interception for the Seahawks. He bailed about, especially with a chance to put points on the board, take the lead even further. It's a bad scenario. It's a bad timing for that stuff to happen, and that's been what's holding this team back from being Super Bowl contenders because their defense is championship-worthy. That's what all the broadcasters were talking about during this game, and it's true. This team, it can be championship playoff bound, but their defense is what holds them, or their offense is what holds them back. Not their defense. Their defense is great. Their offense is what holds them back. Their decision-making, their, their just their turnovers, they can play clean football. They're going to have a good shot, but they just frankly haven't done that, and that's why they're nine and six right now instead of eleven and four like Seattle. Because Seattle hasn't turned the ball over, even though they haven't been that great. Yeah, they still came out on top. Yeah, just mental mistakes and stupid stuff like that that gets it. So uh, they're just behind the eight ball more than they need to, and it just comes down to that. Where that that's really what separates the good teams from the great teams is ones that can really win the mental battles and win the win the game through through the technicalities and through the fundamentals and stuff like that. But Brandon, MVP candidate and probably MVP uh, frontrunner Aaron Rodgers kind of popped off against Ooh. the Titans uh, yesterday, 40-14, to 14, with four TDs. That's insane. That's just – he played in – every year I always say to myself, Aaron Rodgers is just – this is the year he's going to slow down a little bit. This is the year he has an off year, and then it's like, okay, he's, he's finally out of a – then he <laughs> just comes in. Totally redeems himself and just comes out of nowhere. I don't like to see it, especially since he's in the same division as the Lions, and he always gives us, you know, just a, a headache every year. But you got to give him credit where credit is due. He is just a monster. It doesn't matter how old he gets. He's just going to be a, ti a timeless 
a timeless gem, really. I it's it's hard to describe Aaron Rodgers as a Lions fan because it's a the fact is he's such a good he's such a good football player. We hate him. I mean that's just what it yeah. is. He's just too good. I mean it's it's just crazy, man. I mean the fact of the matter is Aaron Rodgers was fantastic, and here's the greatest part of it all: the Green Bay Packers had more rushing yards than passing yards, and that's how great this team played. You always gotta, and that was the thing I I was so. So hype on going in this game because Tennessee's been good. They've been great. Ty or Derrick yeah, Henry, Tennessee, Ryan Tannehill, nothing to, nothing they've been good. Stick at. Yeah, they they are fantastic. But there's one thing that you really can put a lot of money on, and that's Packers are going to play their best in the snow. And not saying that they play their best football in the snow, but they, but play they know how to get at, it done. They play their best at snowy Lambeau Field. To, yes, to they the are the best football team in the snow and there's a reason why they can do it so many different ways but it was it was a really good game for the Packers and as hard as it is to say for Lions fans they're a really good football team there I said I'm not gonna say anymore <laughs> yeah I don't don't want to be beating a dead horse there Brandon but last game yeah. on the slate today scheduled at 8 15 p.m for Monday night Bills versus Patriots are gonna be uh, definitely a statement game for Buffalo. Gonna try to solidify themselves in the playoff spot. Eleven and three versus New England, who's six and eight. New England, I think, is out of the conversation for uh, playoffs. I think, um, but Buffalo, you know, they just want to get the win, secure it even more, and they don't really want to have it to leave up the chance at all. So definitely gonna be expecting Buffalo to come out swinging. Yeah, prime time upset opportunity for the boys. In Gillette, I mean, Bills have statistically not been great at Gillette. Two and sixteen, to be a matter of fact. That's a little alarming. But this is a different Patriots team, so I wouldn't be too hyped up on that stat because the fact is their their passing attack is really non-existent. They need to, if they want to keep Cam Newton, they want to keep this offensive style that they got going right now. They're going to need some pass catchers, and they're going to need some reliable pass catchers. And reality is, Jacoby Myers, Damari Bird, they're good but they need more. They really do need more. And I mean, Cam Newton's loved his tight ends. We know that for a long time, him and Greg Olson are probably the best of friends. still to this day, regardless of what teams they're on, but Patriots need a tight end. Gronk's gone and boy, they're missing their tight ends. So Patriots, this is a game you're at Gillette. You got nothing to lose. You got everything to spoil for this bills team. You can move them down in position and put them down in seeds. So as it's just going to be interesting to see because the Bills have everything to lose and the Patriots have nothing to lose if you think about it. So it's going to be one of those type of games. We could see an upset if Josh Allen and the guys get a little stagnant at the beginning of the game. Yeah, it's going to be a good one to watch, especially since, you know, late late season uh, football in the NFL is always fun to watch and know what you're going to get. But uh, I think that's going to be it for our show today. Thank you so much for watching. Thanks so much for uh, putting up with a little break from us uh, just for the holiday season. Excited to get back into it. Uh, hopefully, Brandon and I can get back in the studio soon. We did this over uh, Discord today. So, obviously, not the greatest of circumstances, but we love doing it either way. Brandon, once again, so good to see you. Glad that we have a pretty good Christmas break, and I can't wait to see you on the next show. Absolutely, man. It's been a pleasure. But don't forget to follow us on Twitter at the MBSP for more info or more information on our episodes. <laughs> but until next time, take we'll care. See you later.